and we're live. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with musician, Instagram model, and dancer Cameron with a K, who's a member of Bob's Dance Shop and has the single Baba out now and is performing in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday. You yeah. said around one? One, yeah, one to three. Yeah, one to three. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing today, Sexy? I am doing great. I am happy to be here. It is warm. cold outside in New York, but my room is nice and warm. So I'm yeah. pretty happy with that. Yeah, I was just telling him how much I wish we were in different places. I would love to be in New York right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I New York is great. I love the vibes of New York. I just moved here actually in um, in July. So um, still relatively new to the city, but um, yeah, it's going to be my first winter here and I am ready. <laughs> I, I tried to convince myself when I said it, but yeah. Well, well, you just said you're on tour, so you're never home. Like that's true. That is, <laughs> that is true. Um, so yeah, I mean the lo the longest the longest period of time that I've been here since I moved here is like two weeks, like in consecutively. Wow. But um, I'm grateful for it. So, so then okay, this is just my thought. I mean, granted, I love New York. I'd love to live in New York. Can't afford it, but it's like. If you're hardly home, why would you choose like one of the most expensive cities to live in? I mean, I did just move from LA, so it's not much of a difference in yeah. price. It's like it's pretty I'm pretty much paying like $35 more here. It's pretty much exactly the same. It's yeah. because of a parking spot. But um yeah, I mean, I think that that is very accurate. I think that is a true statement. But it's like, you know, the time that I am here, I do take advantage of being in New York. And so, you know, I guess I'm not here all the time. But when I am here, I'm like, it's New York. I got to, like, do something. Well, it's also, like, this is just my view on it. New York, especially with you being a musician, New York is more of a music city. Correct. I think that L.A. is. Yeah, I think I think the thing about L.A. is, like, it there's a lot to do in LA, but I think things there are very like they're very planned. It's very like productions and things like that. And I feel like here there's a lot that just like happens and it's like, okay, boom, this is happening right now. You want to do it? Let's go. Um, you know, and it's a lot more accessible, I think. I think LA is much more like you have to be invited, you have to know this, you have to know them, mm, you have to absolutely yeah. That's why I I will say through doing this podcast, I have done a complete 360 on moving to L.A. I oh, went yeah. from saying I would never go to thinking I might go to thinking I would never want to move to L.A. So literally <laughs> like and, and it's just because like I'm a musician too, like I'm a drag queen. I'm too rough around the edges for L.A. Like, OK, that's why yeah. I feel like I, I feel was like. Go ahead. God. I was as I said, I feel like as I was telling you, like I'm thinking about moving to Detroit. I feel like Detroit would be good for me because Detroit's like a gritty, rough city. And like I haven't put out an album, and I'm hoping when I move to Detroit, 
I have the album written. I'm hoping to get in the studio and record. And I feel mm-hmm. like that would be like the perfect place to do it. That's that is a good place to do it for sure. I think, yeah. yeah, one of the things I think about LA is like LA is a great place. There's a lot of really great things about LA. I lived there for five years. Um, and but what I will say about LA is like it kind of it, it wants you to be this, even though you might not be this, but LA is like, but you should be that. And so I think that's one of the things that I've seen a lot about about New York and about like the art scene here in New York is that people are just like very themselves and very like down for who they are. And I think like after living in LA for some time, I saw people that were were like that. And there are definitely people that are like that, that stay very true to who they are. But I think sometimes it's easy for LA culture to like, try to change you a little bit so um yeah and and okay my assessment of la from being outside again this has also changed from again that 360 thing of thinking oh yeah there la is definitely full of fake people to being like there might be some real people there to being like well somebody i thought was real clearly just showed themselves to be fake because mm. i because this is the thing i will say this about me i am very much a loyal person i am the bitch where it's like i will be here for you when the whole world like turns against you like when people say you're fake i'm like oh no you're not and then all of a sudden when you prove to me you are fake i'm like they were right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's definitely, a, that is a thing in LA. But I will say there are a lot of real people in LA. But I think the thing about LA is that everyone has this stereotype of LA, of LA is fake, and this is what LA is. Right. So you're automatically already seeing that because that's the, that's the narrative you're playing in your head. So, of course, you're going to see that it takes some time to pull yourself out of that and then be like, oh, wait, no, there's actually a lot of really, really good, really talented, different people here as well. It's just yeah. a little harder to come by or at least to notice right away. I know I know a couple. They're originally from, one of them's from North Carolina originally and one of them's from Miami. So it's like, with them, I feel like when you're from the East Coast originally and you move out to L.A., Mm-hmm. you're a little bit you still have that like root to you of how the east coast treats people to where like if you don't get like two in your head you can still like be real and genuine with people yeah 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 i think yeah i think that's true i think one of the things i'm seeing about kind of the difference here is like here in new york people are more they're like they're not nice, but they're kind. Like they'll they'll do kind. Right. Things. But in LA, people aren't necessarily kind, but they're nice. So it's like, yeah, of course. But I'm not gonna really help you. <laughs> but I I loved LA. I love LA. And yeah, I'm grateful for what LA has taught me. So this actually seg- segues me into my first question. So where are you originally from? So originally I'm from Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. So that's 
where I grew up. That's where I went to college. Um, and then, yeah. So while I was there, I, I studied language. That was what I went to school for. So I majored in uh, Portuguese and Spanish, and then I minored in Italian and global studies. And um, I did two study abroads. I studied abroad in Ecuador, in Quito, Word. and then also in Brazil, in uh, Rio de Janeiro, in Rio. And um, yeah, I think that when I first went to Brazil, that was the first time that I actually felt like I related with people, like identified with them. Just growing up in Wisconsin as like a mixed boy. Wisconsin, one thing most people don't know is Milwaukee is actually one of the it's one of the most segregated cities in the country. And so it's very like white neighborhood, black neighborhood, Latino neighborhood. It's very like divided. And I grew up in the suburbs with like my white side of the family. And so, you know, it was very like, I am the, the white black kid and the black white kid. So it was like a very interesting dynamic because I didn't really fit in with either groups. And yeah. You know, and then also nobody has like crazy with a K energy. So, yeah, when I when I got to Brazil, I was like, wait, they all act like me and they look like me. And then I kind of became Brazilian. Of course, because like. I mean, granted, not to every level, but it's like as artists, if we're from small towns or smaller like suburbs, we don't fit in like true i have always felt like the outcast that's why like as i was telling you before i live in my like hometown now and are there drag queens that perform here of course do they ask me to come and perform no chances are why because they're jealous that all they can do is lip sync to two songs and i can perform a 45 minute set which music come on yeah. <laughs> that's why it's like i have an actual talent sorry mm -hmm. come on talent and beauty all right <laughs> yes thank you but yeah so that would be so yeah you definitely said you felt as an outsider i definitely felt like an outsider yeah especially like being queer mm -hmm. i will say So no, okay. Wait, I'll skip that one. So you kind of just so obviously like feeling as an outsider. What was it like for you growing up as a kid? Um, I was always a very just happy and energetic kid. I didn't really let people mute my queerness because I didn't really realize that's what it was. I just thought I was a happy little kid, which I was. So right. um Honestly, I will say I am lucky in that aspect that I didn't have, that I didn't struggle much with that. Obviously, it was like a time and a moment where I was like, oh, wait. And then it was the whole having to come out and having to realize that. But I think like growing up, I I always had a, like a lot of friends. I made, I, I'm an, I grew up an only child and I would make friends with, my mom would say that I could make friends with a brick wall. That was like her her phrase that she would always say about me. And, um, you know, we would go on like vacations and then I would make friends with like other little random kids. And then I'd be like, okay, bye. And I would just go hang out with them for the day. And so um, 
I think that that's something that still stays true about me now is like, I just love meeting people and I love, uh, you know, going and doing little adventures and things like that. So I think, you know, growing up, I definitely had my struggles of like not feeling like I fit in. For the most part, I felt like I didn't really fit in like race wise and also like kind of energetically because there was not really anybody like me energy wise. I guess I didn't really yeah. realize that it was queerness until yeah. it was queer. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think, yeah, did that answer that question? Yeah. I mean, I will say this, like, energy-wise, like, I will say as the performer, it's not, okay, it's not like I intentionally try to be shocking, but, like, I just have shocking ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's like, being in a small town, smaller town, and like having those, it actually <laughs> to my coming out, one of my performance ideas. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna let you say. So, what was it like for you coming out? <sighs> so, for me, when I came out, I kind of had like three separate come outs. I like came out to like my friends and that was like right after um, high school for me. Um, yeah, and then I told like all of my like immediate friends and so then when I went into college, I was not closeted anymore. Um, yeah. My family is very religious. So I had a hard time telling them cause my grandma like worked for the church and my grandpa was just very religious and you know, I always heard from the church, it's a sin, you're going to hell, blah, blah, blah. And I, um, so I had like that fear of telling them. And right. so I told my mom after my freshman, after the first semester of my freshman year in college, and she acted shocked which shocked me because I was like, what do you mean? I was always a gay little kid, but okay. And so, and then she was like, you're joking, right? And started crying. And I was like, okay, you're going to be dramatic. I'm going to be dramatic. So I packed a suitcase and I left. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. So then, and then, you know, she texted me that next day, like an eight page long message of like, I love you so much. And, I accept you and all of this. And so then we got together and we're able to talk about it. And then she was like, but don't tell grandma and grandpa. And I was like, okay. So then I had to wait to tell them. And I told them actually the day before I went to study abroad in Ecuador, I told them literally the night, like the last time I was going to see them for five months, I was like, Hey, wait, before you go, I got to tell you something. I'm gay. <laughs> my grandpa was like, I think I could have probably told you that. And I was like, damn, grandpa. And uh, and then he said that he loves me anyways. And so that was nice. I was shy. I was actually pleasant, pleasantly surprised with his response. But um, yeah, I mean, they don't really talk about it now. Like, it's not yeah. much like, talked about, but like, it's there, so... 
Yeah, so you went to Ecuador where you're probably up to no good. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was up to all the no good. <laughs> I will say, like, the thing is with generationals, I will having to tell, like, multiple generations, I will say for how old I am, I'm 29, a lot of my family is dead. So I didn't have to tell like a lot of people. I didn't have to tell grandparents because my mom's grandparents were both or my mom's parents were both dead before I was born. And then like my dad's my grandpa on my dad's side was dead before I was born. And my grandma died when I was 12. So like and then I say in some ways I was fortunate because I only had to come out to one parent because I Mm -hmm. came out four months after my mom died. So it's just having to tell my dad and my sister who were both accepting. That part was good. The bad part was to that religious upbringing. I came out to a youth minister, which was a mistake. Yeah. And I told him about this performance idea I had with like a knife and how I practiced stabbing myself because I'm dramatic. Clearly. (laughs) And he left the room. He came back in about 10 minutes later. He said, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. What? Yeah. And my naive mind thought that coming with him was a smart idea. Now, if I had gone back, I would have let him call the cops. Mm. So I went with him to get a psyche valve. I passed it. He lied to the people giving me the test to make it seem like I was lying when I was talking to them. And as a result, I got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pastors are wild. Wild. Who are you? Who is a pastor to think that they can lock somebody up in a mental institution? And and then they tried, they at first tried to make it seem like it was all about the knives. But then after I got out, he had a meeting with me and a priest who set me up with this therapist. She was a counselor. She was not a therapist who tried to pray the gay away. Oh, uh-uh. <laughs> We all know how well that works. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Clearly not. I'm like, y'all are stupid. Because like when I actually started having sex, you just made it so that I would make terrible decisions. Yeah. It's like they most of the time what they're doing is making the situation worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's why like I held on because I held on for two years and then I came out at 18. So at the age of 20, I'm like, I'm like, fuck this. I can't, I can't do this. Like being religious thing. Cause it's like, y'all are not going to agree with how I do things. I'm not going to agree with. How do I put this without pissing off sector? Actually, fuck it. I'll say it. insanity. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Might as well be honest. Mm -hmm. um, Y'all believe in talking bushes and talking snakes. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, as I say, I regret nothing that happened to me in my life. A few years after that, the, the first time I had sex, I was raped. Then, like, a few years later, when I was performing in drag, I got sexually assaulted. Okay. When I was going home from the performance, it's like, I regret nothing. Yeah. Because it's like, it all made me, I'd like to say, the strong motherfucker that I am today. That. Yeah. Very that. So, okay. Mm. we kind of so okay so i just need to look at this did you ever live in london or did you i never lived in london um i did i've done i would say of the places that i've traveled internationally london is probably yeah. the most in the sense of doing performances um yeah most of which were all bob performances So, okay, so when you're, so do you perform, okay, this is a better question, I guess, to ask. So, do, are you more like when you're touring, you're touring as like a dancer, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically how it works is, um, so I'm in this dance group, we're called Bob's Dance Shop, right. and essentially it's like a, a paradise for self-expression. So it's essentially a group, it's with, uh, Four, or three of my best friends and um, one of my best friends started it. We actually all moved and moved to New, to New York together. So we all lived together. Um, and we, one thing that we do a lot is flash mobs. We call them flash bobs. Um, and it's essentially just like encouraging people to, uh, Bob stands for be our best. So encouraging people to just express themselves through dance and like not feel like, oh, like I'm a straight man, I'm not allowed to dance or like things like that. And so like, you know, like um, one of the one of the parts that I teach in the the flash bob is like I will we do like a, a workshop. So it's like we'll teach we'll warm everybody up. I teach a booty lesson like I teach everybody how to twerk. And so it kind of like destigmatizes the booty and like um, but yeah, so when we're traveling uh we work with a lot of uh other artists one of the artists is sophie tucker um we also work with uh purple disco machine a lot and then um and then we also do our own gigs and and things like that um so yeah there's a lot that uh happens with bobs that i do and then a lot of the time when we're doing big international ones like tour is usually with sophie tucker um so yeah work so i mean i guess you probably get this question a lot so which do you which is like something you connect to more music or dancing i connect. i mean i feel like they're both kind of intertwined for me um yeah. but if i had to choose one i connect more with music um 
I'm not like a professionally trained dancer. Um, yeah. Like like uh one of one of the guys in our group, um, he his name's Lucas. He is uh like very trained and very very good dancer. And um, you know, like the thing about our group is it's it's about showing the imperfections and it's like not about being perfect and being like you know the cleanest and best dance group ever it's about like encouraging people that's really what it's about um and so for me i think that there is a lot of power to to dance um yeah, but for me because i love like language so much and like uh i think for me like words is like a superpower um so like yeah all the all the songs that i make i i I write all the lyrics in like in different languages like it's all it's all like stuff that i would say and so like i just want to have music that encourages people and inspires people and also kind of like hypes them up like so that you know you're a bad bitch and yeah yeah I mean, that is amazing, and it's great that, like, I think lyrics are so important. That's why, like, when I make stuff, when I talk about my album, every song that I'm putting on my album, I produce the beat myself. Love that. I write my own lyrics. I write the music, and, like, here, here's the thing. Do I know how to produce vocals? Yes. Because I went to I went to school for audio engineering and music production, so like oh. I know that part of the business. Yeah, it's not my strength. Mm-hmm. That's why I would get somebody else to do it. Because like, yeah. But overall, I mean, it's like I make electronic. Well, I describe my sound as like electro pop rock and B. Because like I'm kind of like all over the place, but it's like pop rock and B. I love that. <laughs> but it's like I have like an edge of like rock. I feel like in almost every song that I do. Yeah. But as so you okay? So you're saying when you make songs that like you kind of. This is a weird way to think about. It. Are you thinking about the audience when you're making a song, or are you thinking about yourself when you're making a song? Um, I think that there's certain. I think the main part of the song, I'm thinking about myself, like the actual meaning of the song and what it is. Okay. Right. Um, I think that there's definitely parts of it that I think about the audience for, like certain sounds and certain, like certain lyrics i would say um like it's more it's more for me about telling a story and about right letting letting that be what's the most important part of it but if i think of something i'm like that's funny like someone would like that and even if someone else wouldn't like it i like it so i don't really care so i think i would say i guess in general it is more for myself than it is for the audience but um Okay, I'm just trying to see if you're like a real. I would. This is what I'm. I feel a quote unquote real songwriter because I feel like if you're a real musician, your art begins with yourself. Like that's very much how. 
I would say I've gone back to that because there's a point where I feel like in every songwriter's journey, you have that thing of, oh, I just need to make this song that sounds like a hit. I need to make songs that are sounding like everybody else. I had that. That was basically the pandemic for me. And then once we got out of the pandemic, I'm like, but this isn't you. Mm. This is what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Go back to what you were doing because what you're doing is better because it's like I hear songs like Granted. Everyone says you should support people in the queer community, support all queer artists, whatever. There are some people out there putting out some fucking garbage. Like, <laughs> and it's like and it's like and it's like baby you call yourself a singer i hear where the producer had to melodyne your vocals up because you couldn't hit the pitch i mean and and on a two-minute song you're telling me you need to melodyne half the half the song you can't sing like if that's how it is you can't you you, you can't sing you can't fucking sing like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's that's real. I think like, gonna, go ahead. I'm not gonna say who. Well, I have said who. I need to stop saying who <laughs> I'm talking about. Because if I ever do go to LA, I'm gonna have to deal with seeing this person. Uh, yeah, it's better not to have LA enemies. <laughs> um that's what you know. I mean Listen, everybody's got to have and this was this is the thing. It's this certain artist's most recent single and I'm like, I was a fan of this person before. And I put and I heard there's this their newest single which is basically about them like embracing this like villain persona. And I heard this I'm like I had that moment of like, what the fuck am I listening to? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to find out who this is after. <laughs> I know, but no, let me shut up. Go to the, <laughs> go to the, go to the next question. <laughs> so who are some of your musical inspirations? I would say my biggest musical inspiration is Anita. Um, Anita, she yes. is um, Brazilian. She basically is like the queen of like pop funk music in Brazil. Um, she also has broken into Latino America and she's doing a lot of music in Spanish. She also has a lot of music in English and she's definitely breaking into the US market. And so, yeah, I just, I respect her a lot because, well, one, she does music in all of these languages, which is something that I love and what I really want, what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And she's really smart. She's really smart and knows, like, she knows what she's doing. So I think it's just really inspiring to see. Also, um, Pablo Vitar. I think Pablo Vitar is like the one yes. of the biggest queer 
music icons in the world. Absolutely. Um, and uh, also with along with Gloria Groovy, Gloria Groove. Do you know who that is? Of yeah. course. Gloria Groovy is like such like a like an artist, like music videos, like concepts, all all really really amazing. And um, there's this other Brazilian artist. I guess they're all Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> There's this other one. Her name is Iza, I-Z-A. And um, she's like, I feel like a lot of the mainstream artists in Brazil, for the most part, like the most famous ones, they're all like white. And she is like a, a Black woman who's like amazing, incredible. She like really represents Black culture and Black love in her in her music and in her performances and her videos and everything. So I think that's something really great, especially in Brazil. Um, so yeah, I would say those are some of my biggest like inspirations for the most part. I also am really interested in like, um, yeah, like I have a lot of respect for other like queer artists here, like, um, like Lil Nas X and like Kim Petras and, and things like that. I also think that there's a really big um korean culture coming uh to the u.s now in through music and through right. like, film and such i actually started learning korean like a month ago two months ago so very in my basic phase but i'll speak korean by this time next year <laughs> work so i would say for me obviously the biggest one for me would be Lady Gaga. Mm. Yeah. And I would say um, Lady Gaga, um, Chrissy Nagulara. Okay. And I'm definitely like a fan of vocalists. Like Anastasia is another one. Like mm. amazing vocalist. Doesn't get much recognition in America, which I think is a shame because she's like so fucking talented. Yeah. And... Who else, Brittany? Like, oh yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, I would say like every, everyone's like name a gay artist, and it's like in some way I'm inspired by them. Wait, so is did your knife story influence Brittany, or what? <laughs> Maybe she read my mind. I mean, she probably did. We both been locked up in a mental institution, so maybe it's a telepathy thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, those are those are all really good artists. I yeah, like yeah. I, I just have always really loved artists. I definitely, you know, I think this is something with a lot of queer men. I think like I think we stand for the the queens. It's it's the yeah. queens. Um but yeah, like I just, I just love. Uh, there's just so much good art in the world, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> but it's like, I will say through this, I've actually like somebody I've become friends with who I like through doing this, who I desperately want to work with. Um, his name is Milo Marks. He literally just put out an album this year, and like, he's someone else I find inspiration from because. He was the person who, like, I feel like made me go back to, like, when I saw him talking about his album and, like, how he wanted to 
how he's like putting out all this art that's like true to him and i was like looking at that being like i want to do that and then i had the conversation where it's like bitch you do that mm. you know how to do that like yeah. you may have lost it but you'll be able to find it again and i did and i wrote <laughs> i wrote some happy well i shouldn't say that. i wrote some energetic songs i wrote some sad songs I wrote some songs where, like, I would say one of the most powerful songs I wrote is a song I wrote called Sex Toy, where basically it's, it's, it's a message to guys out there where it's like, it's like, I won't be your sex toy, bitch. Fucking take me out on a date. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Send it to me. I want to hear it. I definitely will. I don't have it. I have a rough demo that I'll send you, but I do love that song. Okay. So, yeah. So, I know probably some of the people you listed would be on there. So, who would be your dream artist to work with? I mean, yeah, it would it would definitely be Anita. That's definitely it. Because, yeah. you know, she's got, like, the booty shaking, like, um, yeah, and all the different languages. Like, we could go back and forth. Um, there's also, oh my gosh, there's this, this queer Brazilian artist that I have such a crush on. His name is, uh, Thiago Pantaleão and like Pantale, Pantaleão is like how you would say it in English, but, um, he's so hot and so good and so talented and yeah. Look up Chago Pantaleon. I think that that, that would be will. a really good collab too. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, also um, Pablo would be a great one too. I actually, yeah. Um, so Sophie Tucker, who I work with a lot, um, they have a song with Pablo Vitar, and so when we were in Brazil, uh, Pablo came and performed with us. And so I got to I got to meet Pablo and we became we became little friends. And yeah, so I think that that could be a pot a potential collab in the future. That would be an amazing one. That would definitely be an amazing one. So like in terms of me, ooh, I would say I'll split this up into like queer and non-queer artists because like so for non-queer artists, I would definitely obviously say Lady, say Lady Gaga. That would be like for singer. Mm -hmm. And then I actually have like two I would like to do for rapper. One of them is Iggy Azalea. Mm -hmm. And then the other one's Nicki Minaj. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Those are good. And then for my queer artists, obviously my friend Milo Marks. Um mm -hmm. Uh, Mirage, who's a rapper out in Arizona, mm. yeah, he's yeah, he lives out in Phoenix. Um, Pretty Boy Rock, who's out in LA. Um, my friend Benji Bradshaw, who actually lives in New York, amazing artist, and like my friend Sage Wade, who lives in Austin. Like, there's just like I, I could go down the list because like there's so many people. I'm I'm the bitch who's always like, I'll sing a hook, call me, like 
Yes. I'll I'll do anything. I'll come in the studio. I don't fucking care. Oh. Oh, another one I thought of is a good friend of mine. Her name is Wow Ash Wow. Have you heard of Wow Ash Wow? No. One word. Wow Ash Wow. An incredible, amazing rapper. Work. Yes. Yes. So the time old question that I feel every musician gets asked. If you had the ability to be signed to a major label, would you take it or would you rather stay an independent artist? See, it that's such a hard question because I feel like it really depends on the contract and it depends exactly. on the... Because one thing for me, I don't care how much money, I'm not willing to um, sacrifice my creative integrity. It's just, it's just a no. I, I don't want to have to make a certain kind of music that someone else wants me to make because it might be mainstream. I don't want to have to not do this because it could make this person mad or so. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's like they're... Yeah, I think for the most part, I would probably want to stay independent unless I had someone that I know and that I trust and that I know I'm not going to get screwed over um, by a record label. Right. So, yeah. Well, okay. Can you make your own instrumentals? No. Okay. Because that Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. That is actually something that I'm planning on learning for next year. Because that would honestly be like, that would for me at least be like a negative. Cause it's like, my thing is I would rather go towards a distribution company. Cause it's like, why would I go to your label and you're going to tell me to work with the point you just said, you would, you're going to tell me that I have to work with these six producers mm. that literally everybody's using. Yeah. Because that's how the music industry is. There's no originality. You go back to, let's just say, let's go back 10 years, 2013. Will I Am was on a, like almost every art, major artist production teams. Mm -hmm. And there were some people who got some good things out of that. Gaga, he worked with one song with Gaga that didn't sound terrible, but everyone looks at like Britney Jean by Britney Spears and they say that's her worst album. It's like, yeah, Will I Am knows how to make beats in one genre, and that's literally since 2009, he's made beats in one genre, so like all of his stuff pretty much sounds the same, yeah. Yes. <laughs> even even now, now that he's now that they're doing it in like Latin America with all the Latin artists. No, they're trying to make Latin artists. I feel like that's another thing where they're trying to make Latin artists a thing in America. In oh, addition sure. to that Korean in addition to that Korean thing. And it's like totally. It's like but why? Yeah, I think I think what one thing I will say is over the past 
maybe five years or so that music, because music in other languages was never a thing here. Because people in the U.S. cannot stand not understanding something. So I think that yeah. that's something that is like a newer thing is like, oh, people are actually kind of listening to music in Spanish or music in Korean or music in Portuguese. And regardless of if they understand it or not, they're enjoying the music. So I think that that's something that is a positive. But yeah, I feel like forcing it is not going <laughs> to not going to work well. Well, but there is also a negative with that where it's like you're going to have other artists in America essentially try and make the sounds of foreign artists as American artists. Correct. And I mean, that's but that's kind of, already happening. That's yeah. already happening. Like, if you, if you listen to a lot of the new music that's coming out, there's a lot of influence of Brazilian funk, of like, the like that little like that kind of vibe like um oh i can literally think of one song is literally it the, like what, what song is it i was thinking bongos that by, was exactly the song i was gonna say yeah yeah i mean and to be fair like cardi b did do a song with anita and yeah so like the overlap is there and like she she does really like brazilian funk so i'm not i'm not surprised that she did that but there's a lot of other people or a lot of other it's happening in a lot of other stuff that's not necessarily anything to do with brazil but it's just because now people are hearing the beat and are like oh wait that's a really cool beat let's use it so it was it wasn't Cardi B, it was Cardi B's producer and the person she actually paid to write the song. Um <laughs> correct. <laughs> but I will say I've never been a fan of that trendy thing. That's why like when people were making songs that were like two minutes, like two minutes thirty seconds long, I will never get on that trend. Cause like to me, that sounds like then you're literally you're if you're just doing that, you're making music for TikTok. That's literally all you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I remember I remember when my song came out and it's like almost four minutes. Someone's like, oh my gosh, that's such a long song. And I was like, is it? Or is that just a regular length of song? And that's now when, songs are just short. That's why, literally, that's when you turn to that person and say like, hey, dumbass, in the 60s, or no, not sorry, not in the 60s. In the 70s, disco songs were made seven, eight minutes long. That's facts. <laughs> facts. Like, first of all, a lot of the music, I don't get why they're making it so short, because queer people are the ones that are listening to it, and they they want this music played at clubs. Well, but then, uh, then you just have to play it more than once. You're going to get higher streams. <laughs> Good point. I was gonna say they're just putting it in mega mixes to make it longer. That's also true. Also true. <laughs> As I said, like that's one thing where I will say I'm so glad that my first album's coming out independent because it's like I'm not gonna have some like a bunch of 
stupid corporate heads being like, okay, so what challenge can we make for this song? Yeah. That that's probably the other reason why you don't want to do it. Cause if I had somebody say that, I'd be like, here's what challenge we're gonna make. Go fuck yourself. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think like no, yeah, that's definitely it's definitely part of it. And it's definitely part of it that I did not do with this last song. And it showed. <laughs> it showed in the numbers, but I don't care. Like, like I said, I put the music out for me. And so like I'm happy with it regardless. No, because like if you're putting up the like if you're putting in your Spotify or in your Instagram story, the Spotify chart being like, we're almost to 40,000 streams. Come on, guys, we can get this up there. So you didn't give you didn't give a shit about the song. You mm-hmm. clearly didn't give a shit about the song because like you wouldn't care that it's at 39,000 streams. That 30, that's 39,000 streams that somebody streamed your song. Yeah. You're making this as a cash grab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I am all talking about the same person. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell you who this is after we're done. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, what's your dating life been like? It's difficult because. Yeah, because I just travel a lot, so I'm not right. really – it's not that I'm not available, but it's that I'm not there. <laughs> it's just that I'm not physically there. So um, – and then also, I mean, one thing is I also just moved to New York, so that's a whole separate thing. Um, but it's like I have my little um, my little romances and, like, in other cities, like, you know, I have my, I have my, my real boyfriend and I have my German boyfriend and I have, but you know, <laughs> but nothing, nothing like very serious. I think, um, yeah, I just, I have a hard time. Uh, I don't settle. So yeah, I think it's just like, I'm moving too much and I'm also, there's too much happening around me. So yeah, I think that's kind of what it's currently at. Um, not that I'm opposed to it cause I'm not. No. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I haven't really, like my longest relationship is like three months. Oh, wow. <laughs> And, you know, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like, I dated, but like, I wasn't like, oh, we're official very right because it was like, yeah, yeah. I've been like single, not like have a, a, a significant other since like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's about how long it's been since I've been in a well, little bit later than that. But it's like, first of all, 
girl has a Rio boyfriend. Girl has this. She a slut. Um. <laughs> no, <laughs> no uh, we go on uh, dates. We hang out. We're friends. I'm just, like I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. Uh, I know. I'm I know. kidding. I'm not judging. But it's like this is the thing where it's like. In terms of me and dating, so I've only, I've been in three relationships. The longest one has been a year. Okay. And that ended when one day I went to work and they moved their stuff out of my apartment because they were living with me. And I got a note with a key in the door saying all of this stuff about the relationship, basically breaking it down. And then towards the end, they said, I'm transitioning. Wow. And she said, I know you won't accept me for who I am, which she wasn't wrong about because this was, I will say, back back in like 2017, 2018, we knew stuff about trans people, but we didn't know a lot about trans people, not as much as we know now. Correct. So I didn't know a lot, and like, would that have been an adjustment for me? Of course. Was it something I was ready to do at that point? No. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so we broke up, and then I did the stupid thing, which was I got in a relationship immediately after that, <laughs> which lasted a month. <laughs> again stupid yeah and as i was breaking up with that guy i found out he was racist oh which i'm like awesome it's like i primarily dated black and latino guys i'm still primarily with black and latino guys thick yeah. bitch fat ass <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the one time i dated a white guy and as he was breaking up with me he said all you ever want. He said this in my in my neighborhood with predominantly black people with my the door to my apartment open. He said, "All you ever want is that n-word dick." Wow. <laughs> and if somebody had come and shot him, I wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> <sighs> but as I say, karma's a bitch cuz after he dumps me about a month later he got hiv so oh wow <laughs> so as they say evilness karma's a bitch and like evilness brings evilness into your life mm -hmm. it's true so i so i have been happily single i have a friends with benefits so like when i have time and like when i need a tune-up <laughs> hey, I need to bring my call. car to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, as especially as I told you, when I knowing I want to move is probably what's stopping me from trying to get in a relationship. Because it's like, why would I do that? And then move, and then have to put somebody and be like the ultimatum was like either. You can come with me, or you can stay here, and we can break up. Because yeah, I will say this. 
I would consider long distance with the right person, but overall, I think long distance is something that's more a great idea in theory, but most of the time doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be like monogamous or like not talk yes. to other people. Exactly. It's one thing to like, okay, we're dating. We live in different places. We're chatting a lot, but for you to like completely not live your life in a whole new place because you're dating someone, that's a lot. Because I had somebody who was interested in me who lived in Philadelphia mm -hmm. and he was mad that I had a friends with benefits. I'm like, but you're not making any moves to get closer to me. So you don't have a right to be mad. And we've never met in person and he's here and you're not. There you go. <laughs> Where's you, when are you going to buy the flight? Yeah, because it's like, oh, would I have gone to Philadelphia? I cannot see. Why should I shouldn't say anything until like about a few weeks ago? I couldn't have seen myself in Detroit. So who knows what could have. Yeah, that was that was one of those things where it's like I just had like an epiphany where it's like I was just sitting at work at my desk and I'm like, what are rent prices in Detroit? And I just went on <laughs> Google and I'm like, oh, this is affordable. Everybody's like, and people are saying you could get shot. I'm thinking you could get shot anywhere. This is anywhere. America in 2023, almost 2024. Literally. Like, like shootings in Vermont. Like who, who even lives in Vermont? <laughs> Sorry if anyone lives in Vermont. <laughs> no, that's not believe me, that's not the worst thing that's been said on here. I literally at one one person asked me like the most controversial thing I thought, and I started eliminating states. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will say it, we do not need Idaho. We do not need Yeah, why would you need Idaho when Utaho? <laughs> exactly that's the only reason you need it we do not need utah there is no use for utah like there's no use for where else i say apparently i said nebraska but apparently nebraska grows food oh yeah they but grow I'm lots like of food because it's just flat land just flat so we need nebraska I would love to get I would love to get rid of Florida. Unfortunately, they make they make money because of Disney World. So I mean, all you have to do is move Disney World. That's it. But are they gonna move Disney? Well, they almost did. Exactly. There's come there was conversation about it. And if uh Florida keeps Florida in the way that Florida's been Florida in, good luck. That's why I love I love when gay people are settling down and moving here. It's like it's like, are you stupid? This, <laughs> the whole, the whole state's gonna go under. Yeah, because <laughs> they're just because especially they allow contractors to build everywhere, oh. and they don't think about when it rains. It rains a lot in Florida, where the rainwater is gonna go. So what do they do? They flood the streets. Oh, real bunch yeah. of geniuses. <laughs> 
That's why I say, good luck. You're gonna die on this arc. You're gonna die on this planet yourself. I'm going on the arc somewhere else. <laughs> so, oh, what's your relationship to drugs and alcohol? Um, I am a I drink, um, <laughs> mostly just to like dance and and have some fun. I'm not like a I'm not a sad drinker, and I'm also not a mad drinker, so I'm glad for both of those things. I mean, like, I could get mad if you really try to piss me off, but I think that's just... Right. Um, I would say I'm not... I don't I do not do a lot of drugs. Um, never really liked drugs. Not, yeah, not a snorter, but um, <laughs> I do love some great plants, some great flower some uh mushrooms but mostly 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 flower mostly leaves mostly the green but um <laughs> that's pretty much my relationship with it i um i will say like um i think i think weed can be used a lot for creative means um like for writing and and for like uh, concept thinking and things like that. So um, I think it's definitely helped me a lot of times through my creative music processes. Um, or is it processes? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that. I, I don't know, girl, you finished college. I didn't. <laughs> 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 I think it's processes, but I've heard people yeah. say processes. Work. I would say, to me, in terms of drugs, I always say this is a shocking thing. I'm like the one gay person who hasn't done drugs. The one thing that like I did get like quote unquote addicted to, so I have um bone spurs and the heels of both of my feet. Mm -hmm. so like if i'm standing too long or i'm like walking for too long as a periods a time it feels like somebody's stabbing me in the foot with a knife Oof. yeah it's painful so back when i was working a job that i say pretty much caused that before i had health insurance because health insurance is so hard to get in this country yeah fucking hate you america yeah very it took me four months to get on health insurance. And while I was dealing with that time, having to deal with the pain, I was taking, as I predicted, 18 to 24 ibuprofen a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, that is. And I had to, like, once I got health insurance, I kind of had to step back. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be good. Mm -hmm. me like killing my organs like yeah no she's she's not a friend of the liver <laughs> <laughs> and then in terms of drinking i don't drink when i perform now because there was one night where it was a night where i was getting handed drink after drink after drink people were just like buying me stuff and then I got in my car and I drove 
I had to drive an hour home. I made it about, I want to say, 45, 50 minutes home. And then I got pulled over by a cop. Dang. And I would say I was fortunate because my dad came and picked me up. Otherwise, I would have gotten a DUI. So I'm like, now I've learned how to do it sober. It's like, if I do have a drink, it'll be like one, two max. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say in terms of being creative, I don't know if it makes it better. I mean, I can understand where like being on a substance would be great when you're performing in front of people, especially like go-go dancers. I totally understand that because people don't know how to... I will say this to all you gay people out there. If you think without permission you have the right to stick your finger inside somebody's ass, you don't. Ever. I don't care that you them. That's what, so, that's what I heard some people say. It's like, it, they're like, I threw a 20 in there. It's like, why the fuck does that matter? Sexual assault <laughs> or sexual assault does not have a price. Yeah. <laughs> like, sexual yeah. harassment does not have a price. Like, that's one thing. Sexual harassment. Yay, fun. I actually, one time at a bar, I was going in to perform, and like I was parking my car. And then all of a sudden, a guy a, was a black guy, because of course, he rode up on a bicycle. And like, as I was like going to get out of my car, he just like whipped out his dick. Damn. And I'm like, I literally, I said, go away. And he was not getting the message because he just stayed there with his like erect or with his dick just like out. For two minutes, uh, and then I had to like turn on my car and drive forward, and that's when he finally rode away. Wow! I'm like, I'm like, baby, there. I am someone who's like, as a performer, I have a rule. I will do stuff if I am interested in you. I will do stuff after I'm done. Do not approach me before I go on stage. <laughs> yeah. I am in my zone. I'm thinking about performing. Trying to be like. Trying to have as much dignity as you can in a wig. Especially now I perform in basically like bodysuits and fishnets. So like how much dignity you can have in bodysuits and fishnets. <laughs> but it's like leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so what are your thoughts on how the LGBT community is being treated today on how the LGBT community is being treated today um well I think it's quite sad that people think it's okay to treat other people in the way that people are treating other people and um I think that they're like, it's not only happening here in the US, but it's something that's happening all over the world. Like, right. Um, and 
it's it's just very like interesting how like you go forward and then it's like wait but maybe we shouldn't maybe we should go back but i don't know i think i will say the resilience of our people of us queers to not give in to to people trying to do all of these things to us and against us is really beautiful um, to see like everyone come together and not allow for these things to happen. And then even when it seems like uh, it might happen and then it's like, okay, maybe not. But then there's like other little things that are trying and I don't know. It's like, I think that it's really important to have, um, queer people just represented in all across the board, whether that's in the government, in music, in, you know, in movies, you know, quit, quit making straight people play queer characters, like things like that. Right. Um, So, you know, I think it's, I think it's sad, but I think it's also nice how we can rise. That's so true. Actually, I just did an interview yesterday and somebody said like they said that they believed that queer rights are as good as they're going to be now. I feel like in America that is a good sentiment, but it's like if you think that's how it is across the world, we've got a lot more fighting to do. A lot. Over there. A lot. Because, like, you also have people who are uninformed about stuff. I mean, if you look at I don't want to get too political here, but it's like, when you look at, like, the Israel the Israel versus Palestine conflict and like people mm-hmm. are just automatically supporting Palestine, not knowing what Hamas is doing. And it's like, it's like when people say like, they want to take a side, it's almost like, first of all, I am very much a pacifist myself. I don't mm-hmm. believe that we should be involved in wars. Like overall, especially the United States. Cause yeah. I say this like simple historical facts and a lot of people may disagree on one side, but I will say we as the United States have not been a good guy in the war since world war two. No, we just put our fingers in everything all over the place. And it's like, as the United States, when people are like, but we need to send foreign aid. I'm like, how can you say that we need foreign aid when you got people starving on the streets in America? Yeah. In every in every like especially in New York and LA. That's why when people say like yeah. say it's such a there's such a bad homeless population in LA and it's like well, instead of trying to like just ignore the fact that there are homeless people here, why don't we try actually finding a way to get them off the streets? Mhm. Yeah, there was like movement of that that was happening during the pandemic. Nothing ever happened. They were like, oh, we're closing Skid Row. 
We're putting people in houses. Mm. Not really. And it's there's housing for for these people. There's exactly. enough housing. The problem is, and there's even enough money. The problem is when you're letting contractors come in and build like these new high rises where mm-hmm. they're going to charge people $2,000 for rent. It's like, yeah. well, that's why, what was it? Yeah, it's crazy. That's why, what was it? Somebody said, it's like the conversation between like boomer, like boomers and like gen millennials and Gen Z and like talking about how when boomers think about like saving and like how we think about saving, they thought about saving as like a lifestyle and how they plan for the future. And yeah. like, granted, I'm living at home. I can do it so I can move out. But it's like in terms of like saving for like the future. It's not happening. No. It's not a thing, really. <laughs> it's like the rent is like getting more and more because you have like greedy corporations taking over everything. Exactly. And are the greedy corporations paying us anymore? No. <laughs> no, that's why like at my job, I work at a call center and they're like closing up they were like closing up certain departments so that they can move them to foreign countries. So these mm-hmm. millionaire companies can pay people 25 cents an hour. Yep. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So what's the biggest misconception about you? Hmm. Misconception. I think one misconception I think that people may have is that I'm always like, like I'm always very high energy, which I feel like I am a lot of the time very high energy. But then I think when people see me like chill, they like always are like, are you okay? Like what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just, I'm just chilling. So I think that that is probably, I will say the biggest misconception about me is that I'm always high energy. And if I'm not high energy, that something's wrong. So. Yeah. I mean, first of all, anyone who thinks that everyone can be at a 10 all the time, if you're at a 10 all the time, you're hiding something behind the scenes. Facts. That's why, like, those people who are like, ah, praise be God every day, da da da. I'm like, my first, my antenna goes up. I'm like, fake. Oh, hello? <laughs> it's like, there's got to be some sadness in there. And like, you don't want to admit it to people, but yeah. it's there. See, I feel like, and you may say this as artists, we are so in tune as artists with our emotions that, like, when we have to feel something, we have to feel something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, I'm gonna be happy when secretly I'm depressed. Like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna hear it definitely. 
Yeah, I think like I think like since I've gotten home because I got home from Brazil last week, and I think like since I've gotten back, I've just been like in my room. I'm like because it's cold. I got back. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> like. I want to be in Brazil. I want to be where it's warm. And so I'm like, I'm sad. And so I've just been like in my room, just like, I'm just going to learn Korean. I'm just going to like read and do my stuff. And yeah, I feel like that's helped me a lot. I mean, yeah, I would say the one for me. Yeah. And through this this interview. A lot of people think I'm, like, extremely shady. I'm not. I am, like, do I throw shade? Yes. Am I going to tell you my opinion? Absolutely. But it's, like, it's because, especially in this society where people just want to coddle people and tell them all the time that they're amazing and, like, stunning and, like, everything they do is perfect. Mm -hmm. I feel that if I think you suck, I should tell you I think you suck. Yeah. Because you, like, being told you're amazing all the time, what that does is that leads you into a false sense of delusion. And especially if you're a musician, that leads you into you believing that you have a false sense of talent. Mm-hmm. So when you try to approach a record label where they're not going to be your, like, sycophants. They're going to be the people to tell you, like, I wouldn't sign you if you were the last artist on Earth. Because <laughs> they are they are going to be that mean. Like, yeah, they really they, would. <laughs> like, it is cutthroat <laughs> in the music industry. Mm-hmm. It is cutthroat. Well, I would say it's cutthroat in the podcasting world. Like, everyone says... I'm the sweetest pod. I've I've been told I'm the sweetest podcast host. It's because I'm real. Like wh- when I like say I'm a fan of somebody, I'm actually a fan of somebody. That's probably why when you look at people like Ellen, everyone's like Ellen's the sweetheart of everywhere. That's because she was one way on camera and a different way off camera. I'm the exact same on camera as off camera. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a it's not a persona, it's you. Yeah. Which we love. It's like, yeah. Thank you. Everyone's like, but you're wearing wigs and all this. It's like, that's just because that's how I feel comfortable presenting myself. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, as I said, like this is this is like a fucked up thing to say about yourself, but it's like some, I did say this. I said, sometimes you have to call yourself ugly a thousand times to finally one day realize that you're beautiful. And have you realized that you're beautiful? Yes. Good. That's, that's a thing where it's like, you have to be, that's why when people are like insecure, but they pretend that they're not insecure. It's like, why wouldn't you pretend that you, why wouldn't you just say that you're insecure because mm-hmm. people relate a lot more to vulnerability than they do to perfection correct it's like yeah way more 
And everyone has their own. I have to try and end on the positive. We can't end on a negative note. Everybody has. <laughs> everybody has their. Actually, no. This is what I'll say. This is the like truest message that I can say, which is sometimes finding yourself ugly forces you to work on your talents. Yeah. Because I look at like the people who have always been told they're pretty, and I'm like, maybe that's why you're an actor who doesn't get acting gigs. <laughs> I am love. I am love. <laughs> You're getting the wrong impression of me. Actually, you are getting this. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. How did you first find my music or me? Do you remember? I think. I think what happened is I'm pretty sure you popped up on my Instagram story. Okay. Yeah. And I will say this, like, some, again, sometimes the algorithm pushes garbage. Not in your case. <laughs> Not in well, a lot wait. of people's cases, but there's sometimes, I have to end with you, because uh, I am going to tell you who this is that I'm talking about. <laughs> well, because this is the thing, I should be saying it like, your audience won't know. My audience will already know because I already said this person's name on here more than once. But I'm going to keep calm just in case. Actually, wait. I think you might follow this person. That's why I'm not yeah, going to say Yeah, you know, this. I think because I, li I lived in L.A. for five years, so I'm not sure that I don't know that. <laughs> I actually... I actually... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. With that being said, we'll we'll close out because I want to talk. So, anyway, it was a pleasure getting to meet you. It was. It very much was a pleasure. A pleasure chatting. A pleasure also getting to know about you and about your music as well. Yes. And I look forward to hearing it. Thank you. And with that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed.